Welcome to Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us this week for Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, with Pastor John Ferreira. For us, we're going to be looking at chapter 12, like I said earlier, because there's so many nuggets, so many gems. We're only covering two verses. And again, this is where I feel uncomfortable because it's kind of a deviation. But, uh, you know, y'all remember biology class? Remember that? Having to put on the, you know, uh, remember the dissecting the little frog or the piglet? No? No? Do you remember anyone had to do that? No? Well, anyways, in, in a way, <laughs> I, okay, bad example. Work with me here. Pray for me. So in, in a way, we're going to be doing spiritual dissection of two verses. So get on your spiritual goggles, get on your spiritual robe. So we're going to be dissecting two verses. Amen? You're like, no, dude. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's, let's go. With, let's start with the first verse. I mean, let me read it again. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Okay, so remember, we're going to be we're going to park be parked at verse one for a while. First incision. Therefore, let's look at that word. Therefore. Basically, he yeah, you, you, you probably you've heard of that idiom. Well, that therefore is to reference what is there for. And what he's doing is he's making that connection. It's a continuation of the thought. Like we just talked about right now, chapter 11 is the hall of faith. So after list, listing all of those who are commended for the faith, chapter 12, verse 1, he's continuing his thought. And what he does, if you look at the, the verse again, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Interesting verbiage. He could have said a great multitude of people, a whole plethora of people, but he chooses the, the verbiage, it's a, a cloud of witnesses. And, and so I'm like I'm trying to figure out what's, what's the meaning behind that? What, Lord, what's he, why do you use that word? Of all the words to describe a multitude, a, gr- a big group of people, he uses a cloud of witnesses. Cloud. And so I looked it up, you know, and what, what uh, you know, the word cloud in Greek, and I found out that a cloud means a cloud. Okay, so after that deep, profound revelation, thank you, Lord, for that. You know, actually, the Lord is so cool, because check this out, check this out. What is a cloud? A cloud is made of a tiny little droplet of water. So if you like stick your finger in a water and that little blink, that little droplet. But a cloud is made of one, two, three, four, five, one hundred, one thousand, ten thousand, a million, million droplets. We see a cloud. But that cloud, if you're to to super zoom in, is composed of millions upon millions of tiny little water droplets. So so what do we get from that? A picture. No, 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 let's stick with that. Let's stay with that. But let's look at it this way. Now picture for every tiny water droplet. Let's say one tiny water droplet represents a person, a human being, someone. And that tiny water droplet represents someone. That one person, that one. That little one person is loved by God, saved by God, powered by his spirit, and kept 
by God. The cloud is referred to as great, right? He said a great cloud of witnesses indicating that millions of believers have gone before us, each bearing witness to the same God that loved them, saved them, empowered them, kept them. And he's going to do the same for you. Now, okay, okay, okay. So, John, cloud, people. You're saying, okay, millions of people, dude. I get it. What, 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 how do we apply this? You're not alone. You are not alone. You know, think about this. Have you ever felt alone? Have you ever felt, Lord, I'm the only person that's going through this thing? Lord, no one knows what the, the persecution I'm enduring no one knows, does anyone know about what I'm wrestling with? One of the greatest tools in, in Satan's arsenal is isolation. Nothing can be discouraging than feeling like you're the only one that's going through that, going through whatever it is that you're going through. And I really believe that the Lord is saying this morning to those, someone needs to hear this. You're not alone. You are not alone. And yeah, and, and, and this. The cloud of witnesses are those who, men, people who've, who have, you know, endured, endured hardship, but they persevered. Psalms 145, verse 18 and 19 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He desires, he fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. So that's Psalms 145, verse 18 and 19. Isaiah 41, 10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And Jude 1.24 says, Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. So, cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before us, those who also endured running this race. Now let's move on, going down the, the, the same verse. We're still, on, we're still on verse 1. Let's look at those, the, the phrase, let us lay aside every weight. Now real quick, stay with me, stay with me here quick. Because as I told you to look at that verse, just mosey over to the right and read, continue reading a little bit more. Let us lay aside every weight, the sin which so easily ensnares. Okay, well, let's stop right there. Now, real quick, right off the bat, when we read that scripture, we want to assume that every weight is a bad thing. But he says, he mentions every weight, and then says every sin that so easily ensnares. So a weight and a sin are two separate things. John, what are you getting at, man? Think about this. As we run a race, you know, you don't uh, ask, well, don't ask me because I've never ran a marathon. <laughs> But someone who runs a race, I get it. They, uh, they wear ankle, weights on their ankle, right? Uh, you marathon runners, help me. 
If there's anyone out there who trains, you put weights on, right? While you're, 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 you're running, uh, football players purposely put, during training, put the uh, weighted suit, you know, to, uh, to help build endurance, right? Uh, baseball players, when, they, when they're practicing, they put weights on their, the bat to, to swing, to, to help build muscle. But when it's time to go out, that baseball player doesn't keep that weight on the bat, no. The runner, when, it, when it's time for them to run that marathon, they don't go to the, the starting line wearing those ankle weights. No, no, You're, that's, that's, not, that's crazy. You wanna cast aside all the weights. So then let's think about that then. These, these, these weights are not necessarily a bad thing, but they can still hinder. So how do we apply that in our walks, in this race? Well, let's think about this. Not, that, that weight is not necessarily a sin, but it can still hinder you from what God has called you to do. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, good things are not necessarily God things. Can I, be, uh, can I just share with you? One, I was, this, this is not nothing that I came up with, but when Heidi and I were young and our kids were young, I remember uh, Pastor Dylan uh, back at, in California, he was teaching and one of the messages he was, in his message he was encouraging about choosing the right thing, the, not the, the God thing, not the right thing. And he gave this example that, that stuck. And so I'm, I'm just passing it on because I think it's really imp very impactful. Heidi and I, we saw this again in our later years as we got to serve in ministry. Let me tell you what I mean. Now, I believe in the next few moments that the, as I share this, the Holy Spirit's going to, to reveal those things, those weights in your life. But I, 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 I feel I really I need to share this because, again, it was shared to me, and I just want to, you know, encourage those, you know. Um, one of the things, having young kids... There is that, uh, you, you know, you want to be good parents and you want your kids to excel. And, and so, you know, you want to put them in, in organized sports and cheer. And those things are not bad. Those things are good. But what if it requires you to go on Sundays? Is that a good thing? And what if it requires you to come be, you know, be miss, a, you know, services is that a good thing? Is that good thing necessarily a God thing? Because it's keeping you away from fellowship. It's keeping you busy. And my heart, well, no, 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 I don't want to get too ahead. And so I, back when we, Heidi and I were, were younger, you know, our kids were younger. I had more hair on my head. I remember hearing that from Pastor Dylan and going, wow, man, that's stuck. And then later we saw that as Heidi and I got to, were, were serving we remember seeing families going, oh, hey, bro, um, I'm not going to be able to uh, be here. Okay, bro, no problem. What's going on? Oh, my, my, my kids got football. Oh, my, my kids got cheer going on. You know, I can't make it because, yeah, we got this going on. Okay, so I'm just saying that because I, my heart rejoices that we've got a lot of youngins, a lot of babies. And so you new parents out there, you know, let the Lord speak to you. Again, I'm just, you know, that uh, be mindful of that. Good things 
are not necessarily God things. Okay. Also, look, look. Uh, you know the, the you know for for those who are not parents, maybe there's that promotion. Maybe there's that promotion that if you accept, oh, it's going to add a couple more zeros at your paycheck. Nice. What if that requires you to miss out on Sundays, miss out on prayer, miss out on, on fellowship? Is that necessarily a good thing? Is it necessarily a God thing? So uh, again, just, just some examples. I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit will, will share those weights, whatever those weights are. But I encourage you to be in prayer about that. Be in prayer because sometimes the good things may not be a God thing. And let the Holy Spirit show you that. Now, going down the, the verse, the sin which so easily ensnares us. Okay. When I was looking at that portion of scripture, I'm really going to date myself here. But do y'all remember Spider-Man 3, that movie in 2007? The one, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man's Spider-Man 3? No. Okay. Well, anyway. Okay. Okay. Spider-Man. Tobey Maguire came out in two. Okay. Spider-Man 3. Check this out. Okay. In this movie, uh, they introduce uh, Venom. Okay. There's this alien asteroid that crashes. Okay. And this like little gooey thing comes out of this asteroid. Little, little gooey thing. You know. And it's looking for a host. And, you know, they're, they're uh, you know, it's try, it makes its, I don't know how, but it makes its way eventually on to Peter, Peter Parker. And this little thing, this thing consumes him, and then it grows, and it wraps around him, and it totally covers him, and it begins to control him. <laughs> At first, Peter Parker is like, dude, what's, what's up? But it feels good. He feels powerful. He feels invincible. He feels like he's in control. He feels bad. You know, but then we see as the movie progresses, this this thing, this this suit that's in, that's entangled him, it amplifying his anger. It's making him do wrong things. It's bringing out the negative traits, and soon he realizes this thing is not good. That it, it's dangerous. It, it's causing me to hurt those. It's causing me to to do things that are not are not wise. And so what he has to do, he has to actually physically rip it off, Ugh, pull it off. And it's fighting him. And he throws it. And in the movie, it lands on another dude down, uh, down, the, uh, down on the floor named Eddie Brock, who becomes Venom. And he wants to kill Peter Parker. Anyway, so I don't, I don't want to give a whole, the whole movie. It's good, actually. But here's, here's the thing. That's when, when, I, when I think of uh, sin that easily ensnares us, that's what I think about that. I think of it as that Venom suit, as that, that little starts off small, squiggly, and you know, he's so cute. But then it just it ensnares you and controls you. Cast that off. You know, uh, it tells us in Colossians 3, 5 through 10, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of, of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Verse 10, and have put on the new self, which is 
being renewed in the knowledge of the image of his creator. We must lay, we must lay sin aside. We must, in order to run this race in Christ, we must lay these sins aside. We're talking about putting aside the, the weight to hinder us, but also the sin, because it's destructive and it will destroy you. Breaking news. Every one of us in here struggles with something. Okay. This is not a message of condemnation because you struggle. I struggle. You know, you know what? And, and, and this is not a holier than thou. You know, we all struggle. This is you know, even look at look at even the apostle Paul struggled. How do we know? Write this down. Don't take my word for it. Be a Berean and check it out. Romans seven. Paul talks about his struggle. Philippians three verse twelve. So weird and crazy way. Take com- take comfort. The apostle Paul struggled with his sin, and we know how great the Lord used the apostle Paul. Paul's all saying, I sin too, man. I struggle too. You know, we all struggle. So in order for us to run this race in this faith, we have to cast aside those weights, those things that are not good, those things that are yeah, not of God. We have to cast aside our sins. And it says going down, let us run with endurance the race. I like what, what Spurgeon says about the portion of, of this of scripture. He says, he stands with us at the starting point and earnestly says to us, not run, but let us run. The apostle himself is at our side as a runner. Notice again the verbiage, let us run. Once again, we're reminded that in this Christian walk, brothers and sisters, we're not alone. We are not alone. Acts, oops, Acts 20, verse 24 tells us, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Further, let's, let's continue further down. That is set before us. Again, remember, we're dissecting this verse. We're still on verse 1. Again, we're reminded that the ministry was received from the Lord Jesus. This race that was set before us, the, this, this life that, we're, that God has called us to live, is not by accident. The things that were enduring didn't catch God offhand. That's the race that's, that was set before you, before me. You know, every path, every turn, every peak, every valley has been ordained by the Lord Jesus himself for you. And you know what? In our race, can we be honest? Don't raise a hand. How many of you have blown it? Don't raise your hand. No, no, don't. No, no, really. I don't want to see. I have. 
You don't don't reach out. I'll, 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 I'll admit it. I've fallen short. We do. We blow it. We stray off that path. But you know what? God is still with us. And God is concerned about us. And God cares for us. How do we know that? Well, I got Jeremiah 29, 11. We, oh, I know, I know. We all know that verse. We see it on, if you go to Hobby Lobby, if you go to, use, it's on the, every single picture, right? For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Yes, we see that on Facebook posts. We, that's a, it's, a, it's a great meme, and it's true. But you realize the context of that verse, that verse was given to a nation that was in captivity. That verse was given to a nation that was being judged. Okay, so what do we take from that? That even, that God still, even in those difficult times, even through times of discipline, even through times that things aren't easy, that God allowed, he still cares for you. That God has a future and a hope. And which seems kind of weird going, wait a minute. Okay, you're telling me God has got a hope for me, but yet he's allowing this. I know. And we talked about this during prayer today. You know, sometimes we may want the answers of why things are happening. But again, as we talked about during in prayer this morning, we may not get the answer here on the side of eternity. Again, I, 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 I encourage you to read the last chapter of Job. He, want, you know, he, he made sacrifices daily to the Lord. You know, he was an upright man, but yet he lost everything. You know, his wife told him, curse God and die. And his friends came to try to comfort him. There were no help. And, he, and through the discourse of the scriptures, he's saying, oh, if I can only meet with God. Oh, if I can only plead my case with the Lord. Oh, if I can only just ask why, 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 why. And when the Lord shows up and meets with Job, the Lord doesn't say, buddy, this is why you went through this. Let me tell you. No, 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 no. The Lord says, I have some questions for you, man. <laughs> I got some questions for you, buddy. And he proceeds to ask Job a series of questions that blow his mind and that make Job go, I speak without knowledge. I didn't get it. I didn't know what I was saying. Meaning that, that when, when beholding the Lord's sovereignty, beholding the Lord, No answer that the Lord is sufficient, that, that it's all satisfied in the presence of the Lord. You know, and, and so I, I guess, see, it takes us down this path again of, you know, as we go through this, uh, script, the next portion of scripture, you know, we're on, we're on verse two. Verse two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
in order to endure this race as Christian, we lay aside the weights that hinder us. We cast sin aside. We endure, we run, and we look to Jesus. Notice it doesn't say we look unto ourselves. We look to Jesus alone. Second Corinthians 12, 9, verse, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter, oh my goodness, I'm just butchering this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 through 10 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast at, the, more, at it more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I will delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Also, Philippians 3, 3 says, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Jesus Christ and put no confidence in the flesh. Look at Philippians 3.3 3 again. No confidence in the flesh. We look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and put no confidence in the flesh. Brothers and sisters, if you're looking to yourself, we're looking in the wrong place. I like what Pastor Chuck Smith says about this. Jesus is the author of our faith. He is the one who planted faith in our hearts. He is also the finisher. He which has begun a good work in you shall continue to perform it. That's in Philippians 1.6. I am persuaded that God will perfect that which concerns us. So having begun, he continues his work in our lives. He's the author, the finisher, the beginning and the end. He said, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. That is true of creation, but it's also true of God's new creation in us. He's the author of it. He's the finisher of it. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. We look to Jesus. We don't look to us. Why do we want to look to Jesus? Who, well, let's continue this verse. Who for the joy set before him. I ask you a question here. Think about what kept Jesus on the cross. What kept, what kept Jesus to the cross? That's right. Oh, no, John, it was nails. No, it was not nails. No. Let's, let's look at scriptures to understand the heart of Jesus. Psalms 40, verse 8. I delight to do the will. I'm sorry. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. The joy that was set before him. The joy doing the will of his Father. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5. The joy of demonstrating his love for us and saving us from our sins. Psalms 86, 5. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. The joy of showing his goodness to you, showing his steadfast love and goodness to you. The joy. The joy that was set before him. You, me, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Please remember that while on the cross, 
Jesus, God, but very much man too. You know, he could have easily supernaturally numbed the pain. He's God. He could have turned off his central nervous system. He could have shut down his circulatory system. He's God. He could have stepped out of his body during the crucifixion. He's God. He could have done anything. He could have done all that. But he did not. He took the entire affliction. The Romans perfected crucifixion to maximize pain, suffering, and shame. But Jesus instead chose to endure it. Why? Because it was meant for us. But he took it for us. Here's something else that we don't realize too. While when he endured the cross, do you realize at that moment, being on the cross, that he suffered something worse than the physical pain that he was enduring on that cross? Do you know what it was? Yes. Think about this. For all eternity past, all eternity present, that little moment was the one and only time that he'd be separated, forsaken by the Father. For us. For us. Remember, he's never been separated from the Father. Why do you think he exclaimed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't didn't welcome it, but he chose to endure it for you and me. And the end of verse 2, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus has conquered death. He is resurrected. He is glorified forevermore. Our Jesus sits in glory. Our Jesus sits in honor. Our Jesus sits in strength. Our Jesus sits in power. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we see it in Scripture, and it's a good analogy that this, this life is compared to, is in comparison to a race. So what we get from this, these two scriptures today is we want to lay aside the weight. We want to remove the sin. We want to remove those things that hinder us. And we want to run. We want to run with endurance. But not just rudderless, running with no purpose. But we run looking to Jesus, not ourselves. And we look to Jesus because he endured the cross. He's glorified. So I just want I want, just want you to be encouraged in those two verses. You know, we see that the cloud of witnesses are not alone. We're not. We see people in those moments where you go, I can't do this. You ever had those moments? I, I can't do this anymore. You ever had those moments where you're in, in quiet. By yourself, Lord, I can't do this. What the Lord is here to tell you this morning, yes, you can. You can, because I'm with you. That's me. Sorry. The Lord is going to sustain you. The Lord is the author and finisher of your faith. Not you, not me. The Lord is. The Lord.
it is. And I think that leads into our time of communion. I remember we talked about this. You know, communion is a time that we allows us to to remember to to be mindful of what Jesus has done for us. We see in these two scriptures what He endured. His perfect sacrifice, his atoning sacrifice. The time that we call communion here, the time that we want to stop, pause for a moment, just pause to reflect. Not like ooh, some woo woo magic or some, but no, no. We reflect on Jesus, what he's done. Communion is a time that we can, within just a quiet moment, we could come to the Lord. Whatever it is, whatever it is that you're dealing with, there's a sin you need to confess, bring it to Him. If there's a struggle, bring it to Him. This moment is for you and Jesus. Don't let this moment pass. And the beauty of communion not only are we reflecting on what the Lord has done and it's an opportunity to commune with Him, but also to remember what He did. Remember the His death on the cross, His body being broken, His blood being shed for us. Say in this moment of quietness. I know. Don't, don't. In fact, let's take a few moments just to think about that. I love that we have a God that wants us to cast our cares on Him because He loves us. A moment to do that. this at this time just remain in an attitude of prayer but attitude of quietness but I'm going to invite you to come and you receive the elements and then just sit, sit back and then we'll, we'll partake together Brother James will go ahead and lead us into a song go ahead now go ahead and come and receive the elements. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, 
no turning back the world behind me the cross before me the world behind me the cross before me the world behind me the cross before me no turning back no turning back Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, Still I will follow Though none go with me Still I will follow No turning back No turning back I have decided To follow Jesus I have decided To follow Jesus I have decided To follow Jesus no turning back, 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 no turning back. Amen, amen, amen. Matthew 26 tells us when while they're eating, Jesus took the bread and he, and we had given it thanks and he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he said to them, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day, until I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for what you did, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that this was your plan from the beginning of the foundations of the world, Lord, to save us. And yes, Lord, we acknowledge, Lord, that you have this path for us, this race that you want us to run, Lord. And Lord, our paths, Lord, the, the course that you set for us is different, Lord, from my brothers and sisters. We all have a unique course that's laid out, Lord. And Lord, in your providence, in your wisdom, Lord, Lord, there is turns and peaks and valleys, Lord. And Lord, we confess there are times that we do feel weary and we do feel feeble and we do blow it, Lord. But oh, your grace and your mercy death of your cross, Lord, the death of shows how serious you were about us, that you wanted to redeem us to yourself. So you sent your son. Lord, and so that we could run this race, Lord, looking to you as the author and finisher of our faith, looking to you as the one who's going to sustain us, 
looking to you as the one who, Lord, who will be, who will help us come across the line, Lord. And the, the, the funny thing, Lord, is it's you, Lord. But when we cross that line, you're going to look at us and say, well done. <laughs> when it was all you, Lord. Thank you for being such a good God, Lord. So, Lord, as we take these elements, we acknowledge you, Lord. We remember you, Lord. We look to you, Lord. And again, we love you. We thank you for this gift of love. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for reconciling us, Lord. And we thank you that we have that assurance, Lord, that you'll never leave us, Lord. Even in the most difficult times, at times that don't make sense, you're all we need, Lord. Again, Lord, you are the author and finisher of our faith, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This time, please take the elements. Heidi and I are going to be here up, uh, if you need prayer. If you feel like... In, Lord speaking to you and, and you need to be prayed. If you want prayer, don't don't be in a hurry to leave. We want to pray for you. Otherwise, go and grow in the knowledge of our Savior Jesus Christ. Just remember, you're not alone. And even in those times where things seem bleak, the Lord's got you because He is author of and finisher your faith. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you for joining us today for Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us next week as we continue through the Bible, book by book, verse by verse, line by line. God bless. God bless.